You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is, right? Yes, Dep- sir. Depending on the time that people are listening, you're, this show airs morning, noon, and night. So It does, and 24-7 on the podcast. This is very true. How has your week been? It's been good. It's good. been good. And uh, I'm continuing to see a lot of activity, really more so on the purchase side of things, but it's not too late to be looking at refinancing and it's not too late to be looking at purchasing a home either, even though many people think that they did miss the boat because of everything being talked about in the media and whatnot. So I really wanted to hone in and focus today on the opportunities that are available Mm -hmm. and the fact that it's really not too late. You need to have an open mind and take a step back for a minute and really think about all these great wealth building and real estate opportunities that are available right now today in 2022. A little bit later on in uh, in the show, more towards the end of the show, I'm going to talk to you about how you can earn yourself an e-version, an e-book. It's called Mortgage Strategies for the New Millennium. It's written by Rob Weinberg. Um, and again, it's an e-book. We'll, we'll get into that more towards uh, the end, if you don't mind. Sure. So we're talking about, you know, if it's ever too late to buy or refinance. Can you talk about maybe, you know, some of the current events and factors that make some people think that they kind of miss the boat when it comes to buying even at reasonable prices or mm-hmm. or even refinancing at an all-time low rate. Yeah, and this is something I have talked to so many people about. I feel like I'm on a replay, you know, <laughs> constantly. I talk to one client and then I get another call and have the same conversations over and over. So what we need to do is really look at the events that occurred that drove us into where we're at right now. So let's look back a couple years like early 2020, where we were at. So before the pandemic, rates were good, but they were in that, I would say, high threes, low fours is where we were at um, for for most products. Um, And at that time, it was considered still very good rates, tons of people buying and refinancing, Mm -hmm. and that was fine. Then what happened was the pandemic hit, the Fed stepped in, did all this buying of mortgage bonds, helped prop up the economy, tons of stimulus, as we all know, and and have uh, taken advantage of. I think everybody, right, has gotten some sort of stimulus check of couple dollars, thousands of dollars. So we've all seen that. That's because the Fed stepped in and created all this stimulus. And then what occurred was mortgage bonds went down to these ultra low levels, very close, and on some cases at the historical lowest that they've ever been, okay? Why that happened was a manipulation by the federal government in a positive way. They wanted to spur this economic activity. Everyone was stepping back. We had like March, April, 2020 into May where there was tons of uncertainty. I mean, think back to where you were March, April of 2020, right after the pandemic hit, we were all quarantined, right? You couldn't Mm -hmm. even leave your home in some cases. Businesses were shut down. Real estate became this shining star of the economy all of a sudden. Um, There was a month or two there, though, where people were not buying houses. They weren't because everyone was so afraid of what was happening. Once 
things started normalizing and realized like this isn't the end of the world. We're going to get through this. During that timeline, it's like the Fed had kept buying mortgage bonds and getting these rates so low. So all of a sudden, around like May and June of 2020, the rates were super low. People had been cooped up inside of their houses for months and months <laughs> and all of a sudden went, this doesn't work for me anymore. I'm working from home. My spouse is working from home. The kids are learning from home, right? We need to change things. We need to renovate. We need to buy a new home. We need to refinance and change our financial position. And lo and behold, the Fed was holding this you know, this treasure bag, right? That they opened up with these all-time low mortgage rates. So whether you were looking to buy a home or refinance, you were in an amazing situation. You were getting, your payment was gonna be lower than you ever thought. The interest rate was gonna be lower because like I was mentioning, we were in like high threes, low fours. All of a sudden, a few months later, we're into the 2% range and the low 3% range on almost all the lending products. So a significant impact in a very short period of time and then in like November, December 2021, you know, you fast forward, they had been at these all time low levels. They started going up. They went back down a little bit. And then now look at end of 2021, November, December. There was all this talk from the Federal Reserve about how they're going to be raising rates. The economy is doing well again. The stock market propped right back up. You know, 2020 and 2021 turned out to be amazing years for stockholders. If you could stomach the volatility, you were making excessive double-digit returns, almost, you know, unfathomable a few mm -hmm. years ago to make that type of money, especially in an economy coming right out of a recession with COVID. So the Fed was saying, we have to raise rates. Well, it was the case of buy the rumor, sell the news. As soon as they really started talking about that, just the rumor of it started pushing mortgage rates up. Um, we saw inflation was starting through the roof, right? In fall of last year, gas prices started going up. All these other prices started going up even before that. But that's when people started going, this isn't temporary. This isn't transitory. This is for real. When you go to the gas pump and you're paying a dollar more, more than that, than you were a year ago, you know, and then the housing prices kept going up because people were so just obsessed with getting out of their small apartment or upgrading their home or moving up to the next property, that they were almost willing to pay any price to be able to do that. And since the mortgage rates were so low, they could get a great payment even if they were paying more. So there was a big shift, you know, from that sentiment in the economy. And then November, December of last year to now, we're talking about 90 days, a little over 90, 100 days, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden now, the sentiment has shifted. Now we're in a completely different market. And it was so quick and so fast and so abrupt. People go, whoa, wait a second. D did I miss the boat? Rates in the high threes, fours? Are you kidding me? No, that's not what it was a year ago. That's not what it was six months ago. Is this for real or am I getting ripped off? And it is for real, but there's still these great opportunities. That's what we're going to be talking about. So how do current interest rates compare to the historical mortgage rates over, I don't know, let's say the last 20 or 30 years. Right. This is this is so much fun to talk about for me because <laughs> people have this near-term um, thinking, right? They only think about the last year or two, like what's right in their mind. So all that people know are these low rates over the last couple of years. Some people in the older generation remember when they bought their first home, and I, I have people tell me all the time, they almost brag about it. Oh, when I bought my first home in 1973, I paid an 18% rate and two points. Someone else will say, oh yeah, I bought a home in 1984 and I paid 12%. 
And then I refied a few years later from 12 down to 10. Mm. And it's almost like a badge of honor, right? <laughs> but those are the old, a lot of older people that bought their first homes back in the early to mid, uh, you know, last century here, like the 70s, 80s, and even into the 90s. So when we really step back, though, and look at what is the average rate over the last 30 years, not a year ago, not two, not five years ago, not a decade ago, the last 30 years. What I've seen for statistics is between six and 7%, depending on the exact timeline you're looking at, 20 years, 25, 30, et cetera, somewhere between six and 7% is the average. There have been times during that, as we've discussed before, where like eight, 10% was good. There've been other times like a year or two ago where if you were paying more than two or three, you were considered that you were getting a high rate. And that's what I really wanna focus on is the decades, two, three decades, six to 7%. If you are in a position right now where you can get a mortgage at three and three quarters, four, four and a half, four and three quarters, you're still doing a ton better than the average. So rather than just looking at and thinking you missed the boat, rather than wanting to brag to all your friends at the bar or at work that, hey, I got this super low rate, you gotta look at it as, you know, an entire process. This isn't, first of all, the mortgage you get today is likely not gonna be the mortgage you have 10 years from now. So that's a big shift for a lot of first time buyers and people that maybe are refinancing for the first time is they think when I get this mortgage, like this is my mortgage forever, but that's not the case because most people get a new mortgage every three to five years. So if you can stomach getting that rate that's a little better than average, that's in the threes or fours, or even low fives versus six or seven, you're doing better than average and there's gonna be opportunities to even better your situation as the economy progresses, goes into a recession, they end up lowering rates. Right now, everyone's focused on them raising rates because they've been so low, but this is a full circle thing. It doesn't just go up. It doesn't just go down. They're going up now, but they will come down. The only question is when. Hmm. So how, how does household formations play um, when talking about demand for buying a home? Right. So household formations, we'll get into detail on what that is, but it really just comes down to creating a new household. So no matter what the economy is doing, no matter if the stock market did good or bad last year, doesn't matter. Even if you maybe didn't, you know, your job had a situation, you weren't working for a month or two, like all that stuff takes a step back when you're talking about forming a household. People form a household, get married and have kids or move in with relatives. That happens for normally it's emotional reasons. You're not doing those things to help your finances or change your finances. You're doing those things because it's part of your life goals, right? It's part of your plan on a personal level of what you want to accomplish. Notice in the last minute I've been talking, I didn't say the word interest rate. We didn't talk about mortgage. This is about what do you need to do to move forward in your life? Do you want to have kids? Well, you're not going to say, oh, I only want to have kids when the rates are low. Nobody says that. I only want to have kids when the housing market crashed. Nobody says that. It's all driven by household formations. And I go back to saying, were people buying homes in the 80s when the rates were high double digit? Absolutely they were. Were people buying homes in the 90s when the rates were 8 10%? Absolutely they were. Nobody knew any better, right? They hadn't gone through this. Sure, they knew the rates could go down, but they didn't have the, you know, just the mentality that people have today because, again, it's so near term. So as far as what we are discussing when we're talking about the term household formations, it takes a lot of different roles 
in different mm. people's lives. So again, I'm talking about people getting married. Like when me and my wife got married, we were in a small apartment. We wanted to move to a nicer place. We started looking at buying a home. We thought, hey, we're gonna have kids. We need a bigger place, right? You start planning that out. We weren't looking at what's the mortgage rate today? Does it make sense? We weren't looking at what is the housing price? Like, can we afford it? It's planning for the future and really taking that into consideration. So marriages, children, multi-generational households moving in together, having your grandparents or parents move in. That hap happens all the time now, more common than it ever was before. And people need a place to live. The drive to purchase a home is based on needing a place to live more than it is based on finances and in this case interest rates can you discuss some different ideas then on how to combat the rising price of housing i mean you're talking about low interest rates but cost of housing cost of housing is going up interest rates are going up so when you combine those two things it's a perfect storm for fear it's a perfect storm for people thinking, like we've been talking about all episode, that they miss that boat. They miss the time. But you're missing a time right now. <laughs> That's what you really have to think um, about. So as far as things that can be done to combat those rising prices, rising rates, all that stuff to keep your housing costs low, number one is multi-generational households. People are living now with friends, with family, with grandparents. It's more common now than it was 10 years ago, right? So that's one way, because if you have more people in your household, then that creates additional streams of income to help pay bills, to help pay the mortgage, that sort of thing. So technically, if you have more people with incomes living there, you can afford a higher mortgage than you would otherwise, which means you can afford a higher price, which also means you can afford a higher interest rate. So that's number one. Number two is... I've seen a lot of people lately, especially the younger generations, just getting out of college, they're getting into buying their first home, they're disgusted with how expensive things are, especially in major cities, and they're going, wait, I have a friend at work that also needs a place to live. Why don't I buy this house? Yeah, it's a little bit higher than I wanted to pay in uh, mortgage, but my friend will give me 500 bucks a month to pay the, to pay the uh, help pay the mortgage. He'll rent a room from me. That sort of thing. So there's a lot more of that going on now than there was before. Where people will have friends move in with them. People will have a uh, you know associate from work or a family member that makes sense move in and help chip in towards those bills. I'm not saying they can necessarily help you qualify for the mortgage. That's another topic, different day. But they can at least help you with your comfortability if you're taking on a mortgage payment or a home price that's a little more than you can swallow. Um, Multi-family homes we've talked about, two-family mm -hmm. to four-family homes with rental income, that's I've seen really pick up lately because a lot of people understand now because real estate has been so prevalent of people making so much money off it the last few years that that rental income is, is ringing a bell in people's heads. Like, that sounds good. If I can live in one and I can rent out you know, another one or two or three units, that's awesome because now my tenants are going to help pay my mortgage for me every single month. So that's a huge thing that I've seen take just a new form over the last year or so. Specifically, the last few months, I've had more inquiries about multifamily because people figure if I'm going to pay that higher price, I want to make sure I've got some extra income built in. And then Airbnb. You know, that's big right now. VRBO, sure. renting out rooms on there to vacationers, to tourists, to actually bring in additional income. Again, we can't necessarily use that to qualify you for the mortgage. But if you're getting in a house that's more than you think you can afford, that's more than you're comfortable with, how much can you rent a room out or a part of the house out on Airbnb for? 
You'd be surprised how much you can supplement that higher mortgage payment. Just renting it out a couple days a month or a weekend a month can give you many hundreds, sometimes even thousands of dollars to help supplement your cash flow to make that additional price you paid for the home that much less stinging. And then the last thing that I'll say is, for those that don't wanna do the renting out the rooms and all that, or renting to family, you can go and get a non-occupant co-borrower on a lot of loans, which means a family member or whatnot that would help you to qualify for the mortgage, like a co-signer. Even if they're not gonna live there, we can help use their income, their credit, to supplement what you've got going on. So if you're in a situation, I usually see it where somebody maybe has a job that they, you know, just started recently, or they have a job where they're making less money now than they will be in the future, but they still want to get that home that they're dreaming of, that non-occupant, that co-signer can bridge that gap. Because again, we can supplement your income with theirs, but they do need to co-sign the mortgage. We will have to run their credit and all that. But that's been a huge thing I've seen lately, especially with first-time buyers that need to help get qualified for these higher prices. So let's switch gears a little bit here. Start talking about refinancing. Why is... Mm -hmm. Why is a cash out refi now better than it was just a few years ago? Yeah, I've seen this firsthand, Gary. What uh, What's happened is that because of the pandemic and the housing market just on fire, we have seen the home values go up now beyond higher than they were at the last time real estate boomed in local areas. So Real estate is local. I understand there's pockets here or there where maybe they didn't go up beyond that. Maybe they're at that level. But the majority of areas in Connecticut, in New England, in the whole country have surpassed now the previous all-time highs of prices. So when you're thinking about borrowing equity, when you're thinking about tapping equity, the more equity you have, the more opportunity you have. Every dollar of equity that you have in that home is money that you can be putting towards other opportunities, as we'll be discussing. So now's a great time, regardless of the interest rate, because you're gonna get more money out of your home now in equity than you would have two years, three years ago or beyond. That's a guarantee. So when you really factor that in and step back and look at that, the financials actually look better than they than they did before. Because back then, let's say two years, a year and a half ago, you might've gotten a lower rate, but you would have only gotten 70% of the equity that you'd be getting today, mm -hmm. you see? So you can get so much more money out now, even if you're paying a higher rate. If you really compare apples to apples, you're in a better spot today than you were back then, simply because liquidity, access to that money is more available now than it was back then because of the housing market going up. And also interest rates are relative. You know, mortgage rates are going up, but why isn't anyone talking about credit card rates going up, other loans going up, auto loans? Mortgage rates are still way more attractive than a credit card interest rate at 20 or 30%. You know, mortgage rates are normally much more attractive than like a used car loan I've seen at 8, 9, 10%. So you need to really look at mortgage as part of your overall debt, like we've discussed, especially along the lines of debt consolidation, huge reason to refinance and understand that even if the mortgage is a little more, it's also going to give you a little bit more on all the other debts and make it even that much more enticing to refinance today than it was before. Folks, you're listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show, as well as the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Along with Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. You can make an appointment with Rob Weinberg if you like everything that you're listening to. 860-413-3938. And I've got so many points of contact for you at the end of the show, as well as a... 
an opportunity for you to get your hands on an ebook that he's written, Mortgage Strategies for the New Millennium. We'll get back. We'll get to that in a in a few minutes. Um, maybe you can mention a few ideas that homeowners can benefit from financially, even if they have a low rate on their current mortgage. Yeah. There's a lot of great opportunities, even if you're someone that either bought your home or refinanced and you got that 2%, that 3%, that all-time low rate that you want to brag about. Let's talk about some things that you can do with that. So first of all, mortgage acceleration. There's a lot of different ideas around that, but mortgage acceleration is all about paying your home off early. Now, some financial advisors would say never pay off your home. Why would you put money on your mortgage at 2 3% when you could be investing that somewhere else? But depending on the... Uh, circumstance and where you're at in your life and your stage, it might make sense to actually put extra money on the mortgage if you're already fully funding your investments in retirement and things like that. We did an entire episode on mortgage acceleration, so anybody listening that's interested, go look up the previous episode on mortgage acceleration. We did a an entire uh, talk about different ideas around that. The other thing is mortgage a mortgage extension. Nobody talks about a mortgage extension because everyone's so focused on getting rid of it. But what a mortgage extension is all about is taking the mortgage that you have now. Maybe it has 5, 10, 15 years left. We want to extend that. We want to stretch it out. Why would we do that? Because it's going to lower your monthly payment. And talk to retirees. Talk to people that had a reduction in income. Talk to people that had a medical emergency and aren't making as much now. Maybe they're down to making Social Security when they were making a full-time income. Those are candidates for mortgage extension because we can take a mortgage. I saw a client last month had a $3,000 a month mortgage and he was at a super low rate, but he was on like a 10-year loan. We took him from a 10-year loan to a 20-year loan. His mortgage went from $3,000 a month down to like $1,600 a month. Huge windfall, right? He didn't care about paying on off his house at that point. He shifted, his goals shifted, his business changed. He was a business owner. He wanted to get positioned for retirement. And at that point, it made a lot more sense to extend that loan out at a higher rate than what he had before than it did to have that low rate that he could barely make ends meet with. So mortgage extension is really something to hmm. consider regardless of the rate because it really doesn't matter. It's about the term. It's In these cases, it's not about the interest rate. The other idea that we have endorsed and talked about so much because it's so life-changing is the debt consolidation refinancing to save money on a monthly basis, regardless of interest rate. Look at the numbers. The numbers don't lie. I don't care if you have a 2% mortgage. What are you paying on your credit card debt? What are you paying on your auto? Do you have medical bills? Do you have other bills that we can pay off? Do you have a home equity line of credit? Do you have a second mortgage? Get off the horse of just looking at the mortgage and let's look at your whole portfolio, much like you'd look at a stock or retirement retirement portfolio, when you have an open mind and you stop being closed-minded, these opportunities, if you're dealing with a good professional, will come out and show you you could be saving so much more money than you ever imagined, and a light bulb will go off in your head. Gosh, I should have done this sooner. Better late than never. But again, just look at the numbers and don't be closed-minded when it comes to debt consolidation. The other thing is home improvement refi. Because all of these values have gone up so much, as we were discussing, you can get more equity out of your home now than you could a couple years ago. That's giving you an opportunity to do an addition, to do uh, a renovation, to change the kitchen, to make the home that you have now your home for life, your dream home. You can do that because of pulling money out with a home improvement refi. Again, your current rate doesn't matter. Let's look at the numbers. What is your new rate going to be? But more importantly, what's your new payment going to be? You'd be surprised how much money you can get in cash out 
without really raising your payment very much, people are flabbergasted. And it's not about the rate. It's about the cash flow. It's about the monthly payment. And last thing is renovation loans. So there are loans right now that allow you to renovate on the property. And the ones that allow you to renovate, you can actually go through the process and have plans done and get the money to renovate your home. Instead of doing a cash out refi, it would be specifically for a renovation project that would be dispersed. Now, the interest rates on those are a little higher. We can borrow more equity, but there is a cost to doing that. So for some, a home improvement refi is actually going to be the better move. Consult with your advisor to see what product will work best for your situation. What about a reverse mortgage? Are they good options right now, and and what would be required? Yeah. I'm running out of time, actually. Sure. Well, I've I've had a lot of inquiries really in the last month or two than the previous several months. <laughs> it's crazy because people see that equity in their home. That's the reason why reverse mortgages are better now than they were because you have to have a certain amount of equity, typically at least fifty percent. So now you have that equity you didn't have a couple years ago. You have to be 62 years or older in most cases. Some cases we can do it down to 55, but normally it's 62 years or older, 50% of more equity in the home, the more the better. It will eliminate the obligation to make a mortgage payment, but you still have the ability to make a mortgage payment. You still are allowed to make a mortgage payment. People don't understand that. They think they're never going to make one again, but you can make one if you choose to. It's just you're not required. Guaranteed line of credit that's going to grow one component of a reverse mortgage a lot of people don't realize is that you get a line of credit that will grow contractually every single year, regardless of what happens to the home value. So even if your home value goes down by 20%, that line of credit will still go up by a couple percent every year, which can give you additional cash flow. It can really help supplement your retirement. It's a non-recourse loan. Unlike other mortgages, if you end up owing more than the house is worth at any point, you're not on the hook for it. That's great because people get worried about reverse. Well, what if I owe more at some point? What if I live till I'm 100 and you know the value goes down? What am I going to do? It's a non-recourse loan. You're protected. Last but not least, huge myth. You can't leave your house to your family with a reverse mortgage. That's a myth. That's not true. You absolutely can leave your home to your family. Sure, there might be a little less equity in it if you haven't made a mortgage payment in two, three, five, ten years but you absolutely can leave them with the home and they will get all of the remaining equity. Are you still seeing a lot of demand for interest rate reduction refinancing, e even with an increase in rates? I've been surprised, Gary, at the interest in the, or excuse me, the rate and term refinancing, even with the rates going up so much. I have people contact me all the time that are still sitting with six, seven, and 10% rates. I had one call me on Monday, 10.5% mm -hmm. oh, on his mortgage rate, oh. okay? I see it all the time. Those people, they can still hugely benefit. There is a lot of interest, and a lot of those people did miss the boat of getting the two or three, but they're still able to get a great deal right now, and a lot of them are also taking cash out. So if anybody's listening that has a rate over 4%, there's still some great opportunities for you, and uh, the home values, obviously, will continue to support those opportunities. Mortgage strategies for the new millennium a book that you wrote a couple years ago right yep, um, yep 2019 how can somebody obtain an ebook yeah so I, I for all the loyal listeners of the show i appreciate you guys so much you have no idea um I, the reviews the feedback the comments the emails i want to give back to you guys so if you'll go ahead and shoot an email over to mortgage matters radio show at gmail.com with your name address and email address as well as your phone number I will go ahead and send you a free copy 
of this book. It sells for $20 on Amazon in the ebook. It sells for $25 as a regular. We'll give it to you for free. Again, Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. Name, address, phone number, and email address, and we'll email that over to you right away. And if you want to check out the website, it's ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Once again, www.ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. And if you'd like to make an appointment with Rob Weinberg, very easy. Write this phone number down, 860-413-3938. Once again, 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.